All right, moving on to the third topic, the unction of the Spirit. The unction of the Spirit. Now, this is a debated topic, and I, I'm not, I don't have any real dogmatic opinion over the word unction. But that is a word that is used. The anointing of the Spirit. Let's just say the Holy Spirit and His power and His impact on preaching. I think this is very, very important. It's vital. This is why before the sermon you pray for the Holy Spirit, for His illumination, for His power, for His filling, which um, I take to mean, at least in one use of the word, His empowerment for your, your job. Like uh, if you are balancing the books or painting a wall, you, you can pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you that He might give you the power to do it as unto the Lord. Right. Same thing with preaching. But if our preaching is to be powerful, it has to be vital, and the, only the Spirit of God can do that. So it's, it's not, by the way, uh, the organ accompaniment. You know, as I, as I riff with a meter, in between, that's not the Spirit. That's music. It's powerful, but it's not the Spirit. It's also not a cadence or a... Uh, or a vitality or rhetorical ability, none of that is the Spirit of God. Amen? Those are all good things the Spirit of God can use, but that is not God. And so you have to make sure you distinguish between those things. And if you're, if you're ever going to say that that pastor is filled with the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, um, at least be aware of why you're saying that. Because if you're, if you're only being moved by his meter, his cadence, his rhetoric, his uh, baritone voice his charming looks, then you're being uh, foolish and childish. The same thing, by the way, goes with music. You know, Pastor Scott and I have talked about this, and anyone who's led worship, he literally can make people raise their hands with his guitar and his voice. He knows the formula, and it is a formula. You know, the, the, music, the music industry knows the formula, too. They know how to make something catchy. There's a science to it. They know how to bring in the swells and take you down low and emit a tear and bring you up high and get you clapping. That's not the spirit. <laughs> it's all good. I think it's good responses to the word of God and the gospel. But consider when your response to the gospel truth um, when it comes through a song you're unfamiliar with, as opposed to a song that you find preferable to your style and upbringing, right? And, uh, and be open and aware of that. The same thing with, with preaching. Same thing with preaching. You never know, it could be the most boring sermon or the most boring preacher that makes the biggest impact in your life, that God can use that particular part of, of, uh, of, this, of the Word of God. So... The preacher has to depend on the Spirit of God during the week, in preparation, during the sermon even. There's, and any preacher can tell you this, there's been many sermons where I learned something in the middle of the sermon. I'm like, oh, look at that. Look at that. You know, and even sometimes where, where the words are given to me to explain it to others, I'm like, wow, that came out way better than I ever thought it would. Right? I, sometimes I go into a sermon thinking this is such a dud, and I come back thinking, you know, God bless that. And then other times the reverse happens. And sometimes people are moved, and they remember things that are never even prepared during the week. It was just off the cuff, so to speak. 
And so I do think you have to depend on the Spirit. You want to pray for the Spirit. And, and, you, and I think that it's important in the way you preach that you, uh, and I know this is for preachers, and, but it's also for you guys, that there's some room for, for uh, interruptions, so to speak. There's some room for adaption. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't pref- I don't prefer, I don't think it's actually even good for a preacher to write out his entire sermon in a manuscript and then read it without any deviations, without any room for the Spirit to add or subtract, right? He's just a slave to his text. And a lot of preachers do that because they, are, they have stage fright or they don't want to be vulnerable in front of people. And so it's a sin in that sense. They make a giant manuscript and they read it and they're doing it and it's a sin the whole time because what they're trying to make sure is that you don't notice any weaknesses or vulnerabilities and they don't say anything that you can use against them. They're just refusing to be vulnerable. They're refusing to be human and that's a sin. Um, Jesus called men to preach, real men, not plastic uh, men with sermons written by chat GPT. No, there is real, real men. And so uh, a faithful preacher is going to preach and there's going to be some vulnerability, some openness. You're going to know that's a real person. A, <laughs> and, uh, and, and you're going to have things to use against him and you're going to have weaknesses and strengths and et cetera, et cetera. So that's the way it is. Uh, the same thing though, you could memorize a sermon perfectly and the same thing would be true. Even if it weren't written down, you could memorize it perfectly. And so um, I think you have to uh, be prepared and you, maybe you rehearse it, you know, once or twice. But at, at some point, you've got to be a human. And you have to uh, preach to humans. And you have to make room for the Spirit of God to, to, uh, to change it, to add, or to take away. Amen? All right. Let's see. A little story I heard this week. Um, it was a pastor. This all has to do with the Holy Spirit. Because if there's no Holy Spirit, forget about it, right? So there was a pastor, and uh, right after the, um, or right before he went up to speak, to preach, the pianist did a beautiful solo. And she was, uh, they had three pianists in the, in the church, and she was an insecure, she was the insecure one of the three. The other, the other two were bold, they were confident. You might, if you asked them to sit out a week, they'd probably be offended, um, you know, that was their thing. You know, that was their ministry, right? Don't, get, don't, don't even correct. Don't add or take away my ministry. And, uh, but this other lady, she just volunteered when they needed it. She was uh, insecure, and she didn't really think she, her playing was good, and she was uh, scared to death of being in front of people. And so the pastor... Wanting to encourage her, knowing that she was delicate and, and uh, insecure about it, he went up to her right after the song, like on the platform, and he said to her right before he went to preach, he said, beautiful, All right, beautiful. Well, there was music playing and maybe some commotion in the room, and she heard P-U, P-U. Now, that's rude, right? <laughs> now, he just beautiful. And he goes back to preach his sermon. This is a true story, by the way. A pastor told this. I thought it was great. It makes my point well. And he went to preach his sermon, and 
Everything seemed fine. Well, he gets a call late that night, or his wife gets a call late that night, and his wife's like, hey, it's so-and-so. What does she want? She didn't say. All right. And he gets on the phone with her. It's a late Sunday night, and she says, Pastor, I just want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. This is the kind of conversation pastors have with people often. It's like, (laughs) and he's like, well, now you're going to need to tell me what you forgive me of. We can't, we can't just leave it at that. And she's, it doesn't matter. It's water under the bridge. I forgive you. (laughs) Trust me, pastors know it's not water under the bridge that easy. All right. Those things get under people's skin and last for years. All right. Um, And so he said, no, I, I, I need you to tell me, you know, tell me. And she said, well, you said after my song this morning, you said P-U. And he was just racking his brain like, what in the world? Why would she think that? And then it dawned on him, oh, no, I said beautiful. But she heard P-U. And she was insecure. So that just went right in there. That was like hand in glove, right? She just lapped that up. Right? Sweet morsel, they say. Because, by the way, touchiness loves to lap up offense. Right? When you're touchy, you love it when the person offends you again. You just add that to the list. The list gets bigger. Right? And the hurt grows stronger. Well, he says, no. I said, be beautiful. She said, oh, no. Oh, no. I already told the, <laughs> the two other ladies in church. Oh, my. He's like, oh, no. Well, he knew these other two ladies, and he knew one was going to lap it up and receive it really quickly. And he thought the other one might be a little more skeptical of that. But he said, now, why would you tell them? Why would you even think that? Is that have I ever behaved that way before you? Like, you know, is that characteristic of me? Do I go around just saying rotten things to people um, <laughs> and blowing them up in public? Like, is that... Why? She's like, no. And he's like, well, why would, you, why would you think that? See, she had actually been the one who sinned because she didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. And love gives the benefit of the doubt. So in that case, she was being hateful. And, but her insecurities and her own anxieties and her own self-absorption is what was the, you know, it, it, it worked, hand in glove. And so she was terrible. She's not terrible. She was terribly apologetic and and, uh, and, and she then went to try to make it right with the, the other two ladies. Well, one, uh, one lady said, well, okay, uh, that's, that's good to know. Now, what did she do wrong? She received an accusation against an elder without two or three witnesses, which is a sin. You're not allowed to do that, right? Um, but why does the Bible put such guardrails around that, Right? Now, the other lady, she received it, and it took quite a while for the sting, the poison, to, uh, to make its way through the whole body and eventually out of the church. Now, why does the Bible put guardrails around that sort of stuff? Why does the Bible say you have to be uh, slow to anger, right? Quick to forgive. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, don't receive accusations. Because the elders preach. Because they preach. And if you have that under your skin, then guess what? There will be no Holy Spirit. You are grieving and frustrating 
the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, quenching the Spirit of God is the biblical word for it. You see, because what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, right? self-control, all those sorts of And what does love do? Love does not believe a bad report. Love, if you don't have love in a church, and if you don't have mercy, and you don't have grace, and you don't have forgiveness, you don't have the Spirit of God, then the Word of God uh, is like a seed's thrown on a hard-packed path. They don't sink in, and the devil snatches them up before you hit the back door. Now, in another version of the story, here's another version of the story that I made up. The pastor actually was a real big jerk, right? A real uh, hothead jerk face. And he did say that. Oh, my. Now, is she ever going to hear the word of God? Only if she forgives him. But if she doesn't forgive him, there will be no spirit. She will miss the Holy Spirit, and she will miss the word of God. Because the word of God is preached by jerks sometimes, too. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't need to be dealt with. He's a jerk. He's rude. But if she doesn't forgive, she will not hear the word of God. Right? In another version of the story, the two ladies that she tell, they said, now, you know, our pastor would, has never done anything like that. It, we, it wouldn't be right for us to receive this from you. There's not even other witnesses. And we could think of at least five other explanations for what may have happened. And we know that you do struggle with insecurity. And so you might be quick to assume that. Let's call him on the phone. Or let's find out what happened. They didn't receive it. And her, and, and her uh, insecurities and her... her the fire that she was lighting with her tongue got snuffed out real quick. Wow, isn't that something? So you see where there's correction, where there's biblical wisdom, where there's forgiveness, mercy, grace, all of those things, love, it, it continues to, uh, to, to cultivate an environment where the Holy Spirit can fill the preaching of the Word of God and fill the hearers so that everyone can be edified. But if you don't have those things... You lose it. And you lose it in worship, I promise you. That's primarily where you lose it. Amen? Well, I wanted to get into some other things, but we're out of time. So y'all have a good Lord's Day.